Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects? Baking and Halloween, Karen Devaney. And to you as well, Ann Varner. How's it going over there? It's spooky. Oh, it's spooky in the kitchen. <laughs> Actually, it's not spooky, it's very fall. <laughs> very fall today. Oh, what are you making? I am making ginger, no, it's called pumpkin ginger loaf, otherwise known as pumpkin bread. Yes. And this is a, um, this is actually a Weight Watchers recipe. It's an old one. Yeah. It, it uses low-fat buttermilk, and it uses um, egg whites instead of a whole egg. Nice. So it's a little interesting. Look way. at us being healthy. Yeah, except I... When I, after I make it, I usually just have such an excessive amount that it doesn't make it healthy anymore. Oh, okay. well, yeah, probably for me, the worst part is I like to toast it with butter. Of course. So, <laughs> I mean, yay for us for not using the... There's butter um, in it, and then I add butter on top. Yes, and then, you know, you got the low-fat buttermilk, thank God, so we can add the fat of the butter right of back course. in it. So, of course. Whatever. It's still good. It, I like it. I don't do it because of the weight loss issue. I do it. Because it's a, it makes a really good pumpkin bread. Yeah, it does. I've always enjoyed it. My family has always enjoyed it. And um, to me, it's very fall this season, this time of year. It, you know, all the pumpkin stuff comes out, and this is a tried and true. Yeah, I'm not recipe. a huge, not a huge pumpkin person, but I do really love this bread. Yes. So I'm very excited that you're making it. Yes, me too. I am, um, I'm going to flip things around today. You're going to flip it? I'm flipping everything. You're backing it up and flipping it? I am. Dang, girl, I am. you're like Missy Elliott. It's wild and crazy. I'm telling you, wild I'm really impressed. Because at the beginning of the podcast, I'm going to tell people about our social media. Oh, yeah. Look at you. So sometimes if you're too busy and you don't get all the way through the podcast, yeah, sometimes you, you don't, don't get hear to hear it. it. So yeah. just in case you've been missing it all this time, we have, we have social, social media. media. <laughs> yes, we have an email account that we love to get emails through. I mean, you just don't understand how much it makes our day when we get a nice email that simply says, "I like you." Right? Or will you try this recipe? I'm scared to try it. Or Here's a murder. Yes, you need to check this murder out. Yes. We love that. Love it. Love so, it. and how fun would it be for you to type an email to murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. While you're list, whilst listening oh my God. to an episode like this one, Dear per Karen se. Dear Karen and Anne. I am listening right now yes. to you speak. I see how you flipped it up. I'm so happy. Way to go. Way to go, gals. Yeah, oh, gals. Gals. Yeah. And you're my favorite broads. You're my favorite broads. Yes. And I love everything about you. And I love what you do. And I want so badly to be your friend. And we'll say, Done. okay. We're friends. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there, that's our email address. I'm Murder so excited. Sugarcoated at gmail.com. Look at you. We also have Instagram. We do have Instagram. We do. It's at Sugarcoated Murder. That's amazing. Yes, and I've got to tell you, we are now up to over 700 followers on the gram. So join in on the fun. It join is fun, guys. It's fun. fun. We have a new follower on the gram who is, I'm not going to say his name, but he actually has a paranormal show on Prime, Amazon Prime. No way. And yes, and he actually has started following us on the gram. <gasps> wow. It's so amazing. Why aren't really, you going to say his name? I don't know. Mainly because I might have forgotten it. Oh, that's fine. You don't have to remember it. I want to say it now. So you know who you are, man. <laughs> you know, well, I don't know if he knows who he is. Honestly, at this point, he may not know. He, he, may. he may be unfollowing us right now. Oh, my gosh. He may have had a Please paranormal experience. Don't unfollow us. He may have been like, oh, is this a paranormal experience? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. So the Instagram is super fun. There's um, Karen is really good about posting stuff. And sometimes we get, you know, pretty famous followers. For heaven's sake, last week, the entire town of Duck liked us. Duck, North Carolina. I hope y'all know that who live in Duck, North Carolina, that y'all love us. Y'all love us. So, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know, but it's true. Now you're stuck with us. Yes. Um. So anyway, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to flop it around. We also have a Facebook page, a Facebook fan page. Um, Sugarcoated Murder Podcast fan page on Facebook. Just request permission to enter into the fan group, and we will say heck yes, because we never deny it a request unless you are a serial killer that we know about. So That's true. Um, or if you get on there and you're an asshole, then we're going to make you leave. But most yeah. of the people, I mean, so far everybody's been great. And we love the fans on our Facebook fan page. As a matter of fact, they get to see our ep hear our episodes earlier than everybody else by day. And sometimes we run contests for merch, and we run it on our Facebook fan page. So you're going to want to be a part of that. It is true. Um, we have a business page, too. I don't know why you would need to be on the business page, because you want to be on the fan page. But that's Sugarcoated Murder Podcast. Yeah. So you can find that. Yeah. Um, and that's that's our stuff. We also have merchandise. We have Merch. a we have a, a what's that link thing called? It's Link Tree. Link no the the special link. It's got all of the stuff. It's called a Link Tree. That's what I meant. The Link Tree. <laughs> like that really is what it is. It's a Link Tree. It is. How fun is that? It's a tree. It is. It's if a, you, it's you a click tree. on that link, yes. it gives you all of our information. It tells you where you can buy our merchandise. It sends you to our Instagram page. If you wanted to buy us a spot of tea, it, you will, can link, do it. it will link us to um, our PayPal account for Sure Coded Murder. You can buy us a cup of coffee. I love it. Or a pound of flour. Yeah. Three pounds of flour might be more appropriate. We'll but take all the flour we can any get. Any kind of flour. Yeah. Yes. Any kind of baking item. Yes. And if you are the owner of a flour company, Pillsbury, um, Gold Medal. Addison. That was the, was it Addison that we saw at um, Biscuits and Porn? Their big flour sacks. Oh, yeah. 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 Addison Flour. Anyway, if you're the owner of a flour company and you just want to do some broads a favor, 
just sponsor us and we'll use only your flour. Yeah. Just send us all your flour and we will tell the people every single week we only use XYZ flour. Exactly. So we'll, we'll just say saying. Just saying. Yeah. So there you go. Social media. Find our merchandise. Be our friend. Be part of this growing podcast. Yeah. You don't want to be in on it while it's still little because once it gets big, I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm seriously, you're so right. Yes, you're so right. All right, so should we get into the storytelling? Yes, but first let me go over this. Oh, you want to tell us about your recipe? I know you like to do that. Let's yeah. hear it. Okay, so it's very easy. It's just your basic flour, baking soda, salt, baking powder. It's got pumpkin pie spice in it. It has a cup of um, pumpkin puree, which is not pumpkin pie. There seems to be an issue. What's happening? Yeah, it's not recording. I don't know how far it even got. Like it's not recording at all? It's just stopped. Well, sometimes it just has to catch up. You... It actually says stopped. Oh, it looks like it's still playing, doesn't it? You're, this is Video. the one that you saved. Oh, wait. <laughs> so I don't understand what's happening. That's the sound check. I know. This, okay, it's still recording. That's it. <laughs> All right, that, that'll be an edit. Yeah. That'll be, it's just a small edit. So, right. so anyway. let's go back to telling us about the recipe. <laughs> okay, so in review, it's flour, bacon soda, salt, bacon powder, pumpkin pie spice, and then you have a cup of pumpkin puree, not pumpkin pie filling. It's just pureed pumpkin. Get it right because it'll mess it up if you don't get it right. It's got low-fat buttermilk, vanilla, egg whites, unsalted butter, sugar, and light corn syrup and you mix your dry ingredients you mix your what wet ingredients and then you alternate them back and forth until you finish it doesn't say what you have to finish i don't think it says it just says until well blended gotcha so um and then we're going to bake it for an hour nice yes and i this recipe calls for makes one loaf mm -hmm. I usually double it yeah. because one loaf is not enough for anybody. Right. <laughs> not, I mean, just nobody in right. this whole world can just have a loaf, especially with all our people that love it. Exactly. So anyway. Um, all right. There, there it go. is. There's the recipe. There it is. And I'm going to be over here just doing my thing. All right. So I realize that this episode isn't going to air until November, but I could not resist one more creepy Halloween story. Plus, one of our fans sent the story, so I didn't want to disappoint her. A big thank you goes out to our fan, Rosemary, oh, for sending this out. Um, it's super spooky and perfect a perfect story for Halloween. And for us, today is Halloween. But for you listening, it's not so much. It's after Halloween. It is. But so, that's okay. Just know that we're in the Halloween spirit, and it probably has carried over until whenever you're listening to this. Yes, yes. So this story takes place way back in 1974. Oh, wow. October 31st, 1974, oh, to be exact. That's so convenient. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> no, sorry. You're weird just kidding. You're it making was just it weird. A, it was dark and rainy. You're making it weird. It was a dark and rainy night. Okay. But it was Halloween, so the streets were filled with trick-or-treaters. And this story actually takes place in Deer Park, Texas. Oh, I don't even, I didn't even know there was such a thing. I didn't either. Now we know. Now we know. Look at us, learning our geography I and know. shit. I, mean, I know. And everything. I have lots and lots of really fun memories of 
trick-or-treating when I was little. Me too. I mean, for those of you who don't know, um, or for those of you who grew up with us, we apologize. But our dad... <laughs> We're sorry in advance. Our dad was such a prankster. He used to put a sheet over his head with the eye holes cut out and the mouth hole cut out. Oh, wait, and you wore a hat. You wore like one of those rain hat yep. things. Like it was like a, almost like a fedora, but it was almost shaped like a rain hat. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, and he usually had a corncob pipe. Yes. That he would stick it, or a pipe. A pipe, and he would stick it between his teeth. Because when we were little, my our dad did smoke a pipe. He did. And he would sit in, and this would be after we we did our trick-or-treatings, the younger kids, the older kids were still out doing their thing. Yes. So I can especially remember, because normally it was just me at home with dad, um, and he would sit in a rocking chair at the door. This is when we lived on Robin Hood Road. Yeah, really, really, really still with the candy in his hand, and when somebody would come up to the door, he would either take his foot and open the door, or he would moan, or he would start to rock and scare everybody to death. Half yes. the time, they wouldn't even take the candy from him because they were so scared. Well, and he had taken, he would take the storm window out of the door. Right. So that you could just reach in. So he was right inside the door with the candy in his lap. You could just reach through the door and take it. So it looked like a prop. Right. But... He, a lot of times they would start to reach in and he would either moan or start to rock or he would kick that door and, and make it a was metal noise. at the bottom like aluminum. Laugh. Oh my and gosh, they would run laugh. the hell away and he would laugh and laugh. And so, I honestly think it's because he just wanted all the candy to himself. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But he had so much fun. He really did. And by the time we were, or I was in high school, trick-or-treaters didn't even come to our house anymore. <laughs> no, and then we moved. And well, do you moved. remember when he, he hooked the pulley he did. into he the trees? Rigged up a ghost so that when we opened the door, a ghost would go fly. flying out of the trees <laughs> behind the trick-or-treaters. <laughs> and they would all get scared to death. Oh, my God. He absolutely loved Halloween. Loved it. Just yes. loved it. Loved it. So, back to the dark and rainy night in Deer Park, Texas. This family, um, sorry, I lost my place. Because you were so busy making it rainy. Rainy. It was rainy. It's so rainy. In 1974, Ronald Clark O'Brien, he was an optician there in Deer Park. He was out with his two kids, eight-year-old Timothy and five-year-old Elizabeth. Their neighbor, Jim Bates, and his son joined them for trick-or-treating. Um, the kids would go door to door like kids do. They run to the door, knock, 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 trick or treat. They'd get the candy and they'd move on to the next. Mm -hmm. uh, now, let me just point out: if you were a child and you were trick or treating in South Hill, Virginia, and you stopped off at our grandmother's house, then you would have gotten instead of candy a nickel. That's such a big deal. Because she handed out nickels to her trick-or-treaters. She sure as hell did, girl. And I have to say, in all my years of trick-or-treating, I don't believe I ever got a coin. I may have gotten a sticker, a pencil, a toothbrush, maybe even some floss. But never did I get a nickel. No. I, I, can, got, you I know, mean, when people hand you a toothbrush, it's just absolutely... Well, it's offensive. It's so offensive. It's offensive. Like, just... Just pretend like you're dropping something in and dropping some air, but don't put a damn toothbrush. Yeah, in it's there. almost as bad as giving me 
Most the, dentists. The weird orange candy. The, the orange that was wrapped in black paper. Oh, yeah, I didn't really like that. Weird, it was indescribable. Weird. It was just weird. It, just it was like wax. Out. Yeah. Give me the good stuff. Exactly. So, anyway, this group of trick-or-treaters continues on their journey, uh, and they get to a house where the lights are out. Well, back in 1974, I guess not everybody had the clue that when the lights were out, you didn't knock on the door. Because these kids knocked on the door, and there was no answer. So they continued to knock on the door. Then they got frustrated and impatient and decided to run off. But Ronald, their um, Timothy and Elizabeth's dad, stayed behind just in case the people decided to open their door. Yeah. You know? Well, good news. Ronald caught up with the group, and he had a handful of the 21-inch pixie sticks. Do you remember those? Yes. They were any plastic They were too. something else. And if you got one of those, that made your whole entire night. Yes. The big old pixie stick. Come on. So much better than the little ones with the paper that got stuck to your mouth, and it was just like the teeny tiny. So you'd have to eat like 10 of them. Yes. But the 21-incher... That was a big deal. Oh, yeah. That was a really big deal. And I loved them. I loved I mean, the it's all stuff. about the It's all about the 21 inches. It is. It's I, all about it. I do. I really did love it. And, you know, they started coming out with, with like, the grape one. That was the best. Just don't even get me started. I loved myself. I loved myself. What is happening? Stick. I did. I can't help it. So, Ronald gives each of the kids in his little group a 21-inch pixie stick. He even gives it to a 10-year-old boy that has connected with the group. Oh, sorry. That Ronald recognizes from church. Okay. All right. By now, it's getting kind of late. So the group heads for home. Um, the trick-or-treaters are at home. They're getting ready for bed. And Timothy O'Brien had obviously been super good that night because his dad told him he could have one treat. <gasps> nice. I know. Remember when you couldn't eat your candy until the next day? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes, but there are ways around of it. Of course. Yeah. So, Timothy was so excited because, of course, what is he going to pick? The 21-inch pixie I mean, stick. who wouldn't? Hello? Who wouldn't? God, that sweet and sour deliciousness. <laughs> and, you know, with the plastic tube, once, yet, oh once you ate all the candy out of it, then you could use that long tube as the world's coolest straw. Oh, God, yeah. Come on. Yes, and you could use it to... You could use it in your Cap'n Crunch the next morning when you put the half and half on it and then sift it up through that straw and it would change colors. Oh, yeah. You so cool. It. You know it. I know it. So, little Timothy opens the tube and goes in with a big dump of yummy, but the sugary substance is stuck in his stick. So, he has to get oh. his dad to help him get Somebody it. Like an old, an old stick. Yeah. Oh. His dad nice. helps him get it unstuck. He's so excited. Everything's building. He goes back. He dumps the pixie stick. And instead of the sweet and sour deliciousness, Timothy gets a mouthful of bitter. And it's so bitter that his dad has to give him a glass of Kool-Aid just to get it down. Oh, I love some Kool-Aid. Right. I mean, what else would you wash any bad taste down but some sugary Kool-Aid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a really good dye in it. So Ronald gets Timothy, and he's Timothy is not happy. He's like, no, that was disappointing. Happy. Like, who yeah. does that? Yeah, I'd be like, can I have another piece now? Because exactly. that was gross. Exactly. So Ronald gets Timothy all situated in bed, and the night comes to an end. But unfortunately, 
Timothy wakes up about 30 minutes later, and he's got a stomach ache. Oh, poor baby. He has a terrible stomach ache. Too many. And he starts fever. to violently throw up. Oh, no, that's not too many. And within that's an not. hour, Timothy is dead. No. Yes. Somebody killed him with a pixie stick. His parents had rushed him to the hospital, but he was already dead when they got there. So the police are called from the hospital to report that there's been an eight-year-old killed with oh candy on Halloween. After hearing what happened... Every parent's nightmare oh right yeah, there. Absolutely. Good Lord. After hearing what happened, the lead investigator called the medical examiner. And examiner? Examiner. <laughs> the medical examiner. Okay, get all of them syllables in there, girl. Um, and said, okay, this is this is the case that we have. This is what happened. What are you thinking? Mm. And the medical examiner says, well, it sounds like poison. Sounds like it to me, And too. the lead investigator said, just do me a favor and go see if you can smell anything coming off of his body. So the medical examiner goes over to the body, and he comes back to the phone, and he said, yep, there is a very distinct smell of almonds coming from Timothy's mouth. Uh-oh. Well, you know what that means. I think it means cyanide? Yes. Oh, my God. Medical examiner. You need to go right into that business. I'm not gonna because I'm squeamish. It's true. I have a very active gag reflex. Yes, you do. <laughs> so an autopsy was performed and it was found that Timothy had consumed enough cyanide to kill two people. Shut your mouth. They also tested the pixie sticks, um, the pixie stick itself and found that the top two inches of the pixie stick oh my had been God. packed with cyanide. All right, now we got to figure out who the hell gave him that pixie stick and, and save all the other children, too. Right. Let's think about all the other kids now that have oh. the pixie sticks. So the police call around to the parents of the kids with the pixie sticks. They, they know that Elizabeth didn't have hers, so they've got hers. They contact the kid from, from church, the 10-year-old. They get his. And I guess at this point, Mr. Bates' son is still sleeping. So his dad rushes into the bedroom and luckily finds that his son had actually fallen asleep with a pixie stick in his hand. He had tried to open it, but the top was stapled and he couldn't get it open. And plus, it would have been sticky and hard to get out. Remember the kid, his dad had to help him get it out. Right. But so. evidently, all of these pixie sticks had the top stapled. stapled. Right. Which is not the norm. If you go by a pixie stick, it's not normally stapled. It's normally just sealed. So, thank God that kid couldn't get into it. He slept with it, but he never tasted what was inside. So, he was That's okay. a close call. So, the police then go back to Ronald, and they ask him to please, can you recount the path that you guys took so we can figure out what house you got these pixie sticks from? Well, Ronald is so distraught over his son's death that he can't remember. He's like, I, I can't. I'd be like, dude, that's remember. the last thing on my mind right now. Right. I have an eight-year-old that I have to bury. Right. Um, unfortunately, after two days, Ronald was still like, I really don't know. And the wow. police said, well, if you don't know, then we're going to assume that you had something to do with it, and we're going to arrest you. So you better figure it out. Well, that's rude. Well, guess what? Ronald said it was that house. Raha. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember. Yes. He said, that's where I got it. So 
figure out who the owner of the house is. They go to his place of employment and they arrest him on the spot. Okay. Case closed. I don't think so. I don't think it's that easy. No. It turns out this man had an airtight alibi. What do you mean an alibi? What's your alibi? I was home or not home, but they're your pixie sticks. He was at work. So what? Who's handing out picky, picky sticks at his... <laughs> who got the picky <laughs> sticks? Got the picky sticks. And it's in his house. He had been working Halloween night, and his employer was able to confirm it with records. All right, so they're saying he wasn't even home, so he wasn't even handing out candy. Right. Okay. His wife and daughter had been at home, but had turned out the lights when they ran out of candy. Was the candy pixie sticks? No. Okay, fine. There were no pixie sticks found in the home. Well, I will be damned. So the investigators continued to dig, trying to figure out where these dang pixie sticks came from. So they, they were digging around, looking into Ronald and, you know, where, what he's been up to. And they discover that Ronald had taken out life insurance policies on both of his children. $10,000 on each child had been taken out in January of that year. And another 20000 on each child was taken out in September. I am not feeling good about this. They also figured out that Ronald was very, very deep in debt. Who, what is Ronald's last name? It's, it's not McDonald. No, it's a Ryan. Are you not listening? I just forgot. I just wanted to make sure it's not Ronald McDonald. It's not McDonald. It's O'Brien. Okay. okay. Just making sure. So investigators then call the insurance company to ask about the life insurance payout uh-huh. on Timothy. And they find out that at 9 o'clock in the morning, the day that, that after Timothy died, so he died Halloween night, the next morning at 9 o'clock in the morning, right when the office opened, Ronald called and asked about the payout. All right, now I'm getting a really bad sense about Ronald. Investigators then get a warrant and they search Ronald's home. In, the, in his home, they find a pair of scissors with the same plastic as that that's on the pixie stick, which they feel like leads them to believe that Ronald had cut the pixie sticks with a pair of scissors and resealed them. They also find out that he, that Ronald had been taking community college classes. And in one of his science classes, they go and talk to the professor and the professor says, yeah, the guy kind of struck me as odd because he really liked to talk about poisons. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about different um, agricultural products and he actually asked which is more lethal, cyanide or one of these products. And he thought it was really strange. Like, who asked that question? We're not yeah. even talking about using it in a lethal way. Yeah. Then a worker from a chemical plant in Houston, Texas, mm -hmm. when he hears about what's going on, he comes forward and says, you know, there was a guy that came in and he was asking if he could buy cyanide, but he didn't buy any because we only sell it in five-pound bags. Oh. He said, I don't know if I could pick the guy out of a lineup, 
but I can tell you that he was wearing a blue and khaki colored smock like a doctor or something would wear. Well, that's oh. the outfit that Ronald would wear to work because he was an optometrist. Oh, I don't like this man. Right. He's freaking me out. So the man left without purchasing anything, needless to say. Well, he found it somewhere. Right. Now, back in 1974, there was no DNA testing. Nope. And there was no way to trace purchases. So they just didn't have that capability. And they didn't have debit cards back then. You, I don't even think yeah. they had, I don't even know if they had credit cards. Like, you could buy things on credit, but you didn't actually have a plastic card to go around with. So they just didn't have the capabilities that they had, but... Boy, I loved those days. But the good old days, sugar, when we could just say, charge that to my daddy. Oh, yeah. Put that on daddy's account. Put that on my daddy's account. There was just no traceability whatsoever. Yeah. Like, they didn't even make you sign anything. No, they didn't. They because they knew you were. I know, but I liked it. Yeah. Those days are gone. Oh, <laughs> I mean, they were way gone. So despite the challenges, the police said, you know what, we're going to arrest him. We think that we have enough evidence that that we could convict him, even though it's not. Can I ask a question? Maybe. Okay. Did they test the other pixie sticks? They tested the other pixie sticks, and they all contained cyanide. They all did. Yeah. What a shithead. Right. Okay. Keep going. So Ronald's arrested, and he is charged in the death of his son and the attempted death of um, his daughter. The Bates boy, the 10-year-old, and there was there was one other, I don't know if he tried to give it to his wife, or, but there was one other pixie stick that he had distributed. Ronald maintained his innocence throughout the whole thing. Like, why, you know, that's just crazy. Why me? Why would I do that? When the trial comes around, Ronald puts in a plea of not guilty. But Ronald's friends, his family, his co-workers... And his wife all testify against him. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> and the media starts to call Ronald the Candyman. Ah. Oh. I know. Ah. Oh. So. I hope nobody is listening. Well, they're not. Okay, never mind. <laughs> nobody is going to listen to this on Halloween and get scared for their kids. Yeah, that's because... one of the reasons why I waited. Okay. So I'll, I'll, you know. Yeah. Not that I waited, because Rosemary just sent it to me last night, but I wouldn't have done it if this was an episode airing on Halloween, because I, I don't want to ruin it. Well, it would just freak so many people out. we got enough of COVID. We don't need anything else. Exactly. So, Ronald goes on trial June 3rd, 1975. Mm -hmm. The No, he went on trial June 3rd, 1975 is when it gets turned over to the jury. Oh, okay. It took jurors 46 minutes. <laughs> they didn't even have time to eat. Uh-uh. They called roll. They couldn't even get a pixie stick. They couldn't even get a bathroom break. Like, no bio break for you. He's guilty. Let's go. Guilty. Right. 46 minutes to find Ronald guilty of capital murder and guilty of four counts of attempted murder. Oh, my gosh. That's real bad. That's not good for you, Robert. An hour later, the judge said... We're just going to go ahead and do your sentencing now. <laughs> I don't need any time to think about this. We can just go ahead and So talk. the judge sentenced Ronald to death by the electric chair. Because Texas appreciates a good death penalty. Yes, they do. They do. They and really they just do. are not about dragging it out. They've got an express lane. They do. And I love that. 
and I mean, it I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't love that because I should feel differently somehow, but I just can't. Especially in this case. Yeah, this guy murdered his son, tried to murder his other son, and daughter. then tried daughter, and then tried to murder other kids. I know. Just to cover it up. Right. And it's Halloween. It's a children's holiday. For heaven's sake. Good God. My Lord. So Ronald O'Brien exhausted all of his appeal attempts. They were all denied. D. D. Freaking denied. And on March 31st, 1984, Ronald O'Brien was put to death by lethal injection. Okay, and the world got a little brighter. Because by this time, the Supreme Court had come out and said that electric chair is cruel and unusual. We've got to stop. Yeah, I just read where there was one state, and I want to say it was South Carolina that applied to bring back the firing squad oh, for death penalty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But it was denied. Interesting. Yeah. But they'll try again. So when Renan, R Renald, 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 he was, he was <laughs> of European descent and his name was Renald. Renald, though. When Ronald was pronounced dead, a group of people outside the jail yelled, trick or treat, and tossed oh. candy in the street. Well, that was a little bit irreverent. I love it. Since this incident in Deer Park in 1974, pay close attention, people. Since this incident in Deer Park in 1974, we're listening. There has not been another case of a child dying from tainted Halloween candy. Why? Because that's not what people do. Oh, I didn't know if they had put some kind of a safeguard in place. No. Like, we have an official just Halloween not, candy even taster who volunteers every year to taste all the candy. No. To make, okay. I think the point is we let our minds go crazy with stuff. Yes, we do. And, and people really aren't out to get you. This is a man, a crazy man. Yeah. who An evil man. An evil man who... Decided to kill his own children to pay off his debts that what he had gotten himself into. What a jackass. So, I'm just saying. He's just a jackass. Yeah. I don't like him. Like the, there, there was a case of somebody putting pins in a Snickers bar, but the kid got one little poke on his tongue and that was it. Yeah. I think there were rumors when I was growing up about uh, razor blades oh, being in. you could take it to the local emergency room and they and would x-ray your And candy. they still will. They will still do that. Yeah, so you can feed your child a dose of radiation so that they don't get stuck on the lip. Right. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, go ahead, finish off that trick-or-treat candy that gets <laughs> gathered on Halloween night. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? It's 2020. Oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. That's a horrible thing to say. Ugh. All right, guys. Well, I am. That is the end of my story. That was a great story and what Thank an appropriate you. story. I and know. I'm so glad that people are going to hear it after Halloween. Me I, too. I don't want the children to And thank home. you again, Rosemary, for yes. sending that suggestion. And it's parents, this means feel free to just steal whatever candy you want out of those little pumpkins while those kitties are asleep. I used to hide my kids' candy. Yes, I know. <laughs> and then I would parse it out. And then sometimes at Easter I would find it hidden in the spot. Yes. Because I only wanted them to have half of whatever they got. Because it was just so much. And then I yeah. would, of course, take all the things that I liked. Yes. But I would offer them money for it. Like, I'd be like, I'll give you a quarter for that uh, miniature Snickers bar. Oh, no, I never did that. No, I always pooped out on it. 
before. Like he it all out. No, 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 no. He would get all excited. Like the first thing he would do when he got home is he would organize it. Yeah, into, he would dump it out and organize it. Like it would be like color, color coded. Like a true OCD kid would do. <laughs> and then he really only liked. I mean, he did like some of like the Hershey bars, the plain Hershey bars. The plain bars, Hershey. Yeah. And he liked the Skittles and the sweet tarts. And yeah. The, he really loved the Smarties. Yeah. The non, the only chocolate he liked was the plain Hershey bar. Right. And then after that, it was just, it was he all didn't for want it. It was all for me. <laughs> I Which really resist. has never met a chocolate bar she didn't like. I could not resist that baby Ruth. I could not resist it. For me, it's the fun size, um, Butterfinger. Butterfinger and the fun size three musketeer. Yeah. Those two, hmm, they get me. And then the don't even start with the York peppermint patty girl, because I don't even think that's a candy bar. I think it's a breath mint. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real candy bar. It should oh, be real. Oh my gosh. Yes, I did love those. But <gasps> I mean, your peppermint patties, please, candy industry, FDA, health and organizations, whatever. Can you please reclassify those as a breath mint? Come on. I mean, Don't you remember they used to make a peppermint patty bat, the batty mint patty? I know you can't find those anymore. Can't, I think you can still them. find the pumpkin. I think they still do a pumpkin. They do like a little mini pumpkin. Something, yeah, like this a little, was a full size. I, I don't know what happened. Batty mint patty. What happened to the bat, the full size bat shaped um, chocolate covered breath mints? And then they had the snowflakes at Christmas. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah. Those were the good old days. So now, old we days. don't have trick-or-treaters, thank God. No, we don't. Although my husband continues every day to say, we really should be getting some candy in for the kids. No. I said, honey, we haven't had kids come to our house in four years. Yeah. Why are we getting candy? Because he want, he loves a little miniature Kit Kat bar. Oh, my god. And gosh. he will eat all of them. Like, he'll <laughs> say, oh, I'm just going to have a, a miniature. And it's like four miniatures. And I'm like, that is the same thing as a full-size candy bar. <laughs> No, it's not. They're just miniature. Mm -hmm. Oh, so. my gosh. Yeah. Those were the good old days. Yes. No more trick-or-treating for us. Well, that was a great story. Thank so you. I, Thank I you. I enjoyed it. I'm sure everybody else enjoyed it. All right. And you've got your bread going in the oven. It's going to bake for an hour, so I'm going to talk real slow. Real slow. Actually, no, I'm not. So, why don't we take a pause? We're going to take a pause, and, and we'll, we'll come back. switch your rooski. All right. Bye Please now. hold. I mean, just hold on. <laughs> But I've never. Oh, All right, we're back. And hello. 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 Hi. Okay, so um, I found the guy that I was trying to reference that started following us on the gram. Oh, oh, right. His name is Rocky Foreman. <gasps> Wait, Rocky Foreman? F O U R M A N. Don't he and his brothers do some crazy paranormal stuff? Yes, they have. Um, they have some shows he has a show on amazon prime called paranormal nightmare chasing evil oh my lord i've watched them before that's what's so weird see what i told you follow us on instagram because famous people you could like be rubbing elbows guys you just don't know act sugar-coated murder find us follow do us do it give us a shout out do, do it. it do it right now <laughs> okay so, my time for murder. <laughs> it's my murder time. Woo! Okay. So, this is going to be the case of Casey Tyner. And it's T-I-N-E-R. It's not something else, and I'm just putting a weird spin on the last part of it. It really is Tyner. Okay. And she is a 16-year-old girl from Granbury, Texas. Mm -hmm, Texas? Yes. So, we are both in Texas today. 
So she's in high school. She's a good student. Before I go any further, I want to just tell people that there was an ID discovery investigation episode on the show The Lies That Bind. It was season one, episode five. And so that's how I found out about this story. Mm -hmm. I watched that a couple times, and then I also did some other reading, but that was my main source. So I just want to let people know that's where the bulk of the information came from. Okay. Okay, so Casey is 16 years old, like I said, and she meets this fellow named T.J. Steele. He's, that sounds like a Hollywood name. It does, it does. So he's 19 years old, and uh, they met at a party, a little uh, party. Mm-hmm. So Casey's mom didn't know that she was dating TJ until about a month into their dating. Mm-hmm. So her mom was like, uh, first of all, she didn't want Casey in a serious relationship at her age. She was 16. She was about to be 17, and she thought this is just too early to be in a serious relationship. But it became very obvious that Casey was falling hard for TJ, and her mom was like, I don't know what to do. Her mom was concerned about the age difference, but as she got to know TJ and she heard really good stuff about him from Casey's friends, she felt a little bit better about it. She found out he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he's a good driver. So, you know, all the things that a mom wants to hear about somebody that her daughter's hanging with. Right. So, go talk about TJ real quick. TJ had super blonde hair, like super blonde, and he wore it long and a ponytail in the back, so he was kind of, you know, a little edgy, (laughs) and his sister called him a vampire all the time because he had a really pale complexion Mm -hmm. and had this almost white towhead blonde hair that he kept in this long, and she was like, you look like a vampire because of your complexion and your hair. It's like, you're not there. Wow. So um, she said he also wore all black all the time, black clothes, black trench coat, black army boots, like he dressed the part. Right. So TJ often talked about how he didn't like the town of Grandbury, (laughs) Groundberry, but, and he always talked about leaving for the big city one day, you know, he wanted to get out of town. He was, he felt like he had outgrown the town. Right. But that all changed when he met Casey. He stopped talking about it. He's like, I'm good here. I'm good. Suddenly, I got things to do. So, um, TJ's sister said that he was totally focused on and in love with Casey, and he even started dropping some of his friends in order to spend more time with her. Oh, no. TJ's family didn't love that, that he was doing that, um, but at the age of 19, you know, it's a, and a boy, it's a little bit different story. So, they were just going to kind of sit back and monitor it and let it run its course. Mm-hmm. So TJ's mom said when she met Casey that that girl was so shy and she practically hid behind TJ. Like that's how shy he was, which was completely opposite of TJ, who was very gregarious, outgoing. He was just like such an extrovert. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, I'm not sure how this is even going to work. So she really didn't think it was going to go too far. Right. In August, on August 7th of the year 2000, So we're Y2K. Um, Three weeks before Casey's 17th birthday, mom left for work. Casey was outside enjoying the beautiful day. She kissed and hugged her daughter and said, be safe today, whatever you do, and left. And she got home at 530 that night, and Casey wasn't home, which was not unusual. 
And, um, but dinner came and went with no Casey. She was like, that's interesting. So her mom started calling around. She called little Ray. Don't know who little Lil Ray, Ray is, but she called little Ray. Little Ray? He said, I haven't seen them. Oh. I haven't seen her or TJ anywhere. So she was like, okay, no problem. So she called this other couple, Robbie and Belinda. They were older than, they were definitely older than Casey. Belinda was the oldest of the four of them. But Robbie and Belinda were a couple, and they were friends with TJ and Casey. So they did, did a lot of couple things, like mm. hung out and stuff together. Right. And um, Robbie and Belinda were planning on leaving to go to, to move to Vegas. They were going to move. Hmm. Um, she just she also felt like she had outgrown the town, and she wanted brighter lights and a bigger town. And so she was going to go to Vegas, and, and um, Robbie was going with her. At 19? No, Belinda was older oh, okay. than that. She, I think she was in her 20s, gotcha. early 20s, like maybe 21. Um, she actually had... One or two children. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so they were actually they were throwing a, a farewell party for themselves before they left, and she said, "I haven't seen TJ and Casey, but I'm sure they're going to come to our party, and I'll make sure she gets in touch with you." Right. So the mom was like, "Okay." So the next morning, after that, after the party happened, still no Casey, oh, no yeah. contact from Casey. Oh no. And so mom is thinking, okay. She thinks Casey is kind of sporting a little bit of a grudge because right before Casey kind of stopped showing back up, they had gone um, back to school shopping mm -hmm. one afternoon and they got into a little bit of a tiff because Casey wanted a certain pair of shoes and her mom said, those shoes are too expensive. You can get the knockoffs. And Casey got her nose really bent out of shape. And then, you know, they kind of got into a little bit of a tiff. So right. her mom was like, well, I figured she's just trying to prove to me she's grown. Right. She's rebellious. She's just trying to prove to me I can't boss her around or whatever. And she's like, I'm just trying to be patient. So Tuesday night comes and dinner comes around and still no Casey. Mm. So mom makes more calls. Call Lil Ray again. Lil Ray? Lil Ray said, I still ain't seen him. Oh. So as a matter of fact, no one had seen them. None of their friends had seen them. So by Wednesday, mom actually drove over to Lil Ray. I mean... Where are TJ's parents? Are I'm going to get to that. Okay. So mom drove to Little Ray's house just to see if maybe Casey was hiding out there. Yeah, maybe Little Ray wasn't being honest. And there was no sign that Casey was there or had ever been there. And Little Ray's like, dude, I'm telling you, they're not here. I haven't seen them. Yeah, Little Ray, he's not a liar. He's not. He might be little, but he is not a liar. No. So then she picks up the phone and calls TJ's mom. Mm. So she finds out that TJ's mom is also worried because she has not heard from TJ in quite a while either. So um, the moms were angry, but then they became more worried. Right. And a week goes by and still no contact from either kid. Nobody has seen them around town. So now they're like, okay, something's going on. So they actually go on August 14th to the police a week? They let a week go by before they called the police? They did. Well, well, first, okay, August 14th, police find TJ's car, okay? And they called his mom and said, you need to come get his car. It had been found in a ditch in a remote wooded area with oh. the keys in the ignition. Oh. TJ's mom was surprised to see the condition of the car because it was really messy inside. And it had, like, it had almost wrecked in the ditch, like, it was muddy and stuff, and she said that was his prized possession. 
I couldn't believe that he would just leave it with the keys in the ignition in a ditch full of mud. And she said when she got there, the cop had already backed it out of the ditch mm-hmm. and just released it to her. No processing. Yeah. So she was like, that. it just didn't feel right to me. Something about this felt really wrong and I couldn't figure it out. So now, three weeks go by. August 21st, and that's when Casey's mom finally files the paperwork to declare Casey as a missing person. Three weeks. So she had been to, on the 14th, she had gone to the police to say, hey, listen, I think my kid is hiding out in town somewhere. She's pissed at me. I need to know she's okay. If you all can just be on the lookout for her, this is what she looks like. She's, you know, I wouldn't say she's, I don't want to consider her a runaway. I don't, I just think she's being a a little bit rebellious and she's trying to teach me a lesson right and i laid down the law with her and now she's pissed and she's like but i just want to make sure she's okay so if you see her call me you don't have to tell say anything to casey just let me know that you've seen her so i know she's okay right so then on the 21st she says i i'm gonna file the official paperwork so um she said you know school's getting ready to start and um she said that at this point, I just felt like it was time for Casey to come home. Sure. Like, she's proven her point. She can stay out. She can take care of herself for three weeks in a row and not starve to death. But it's time for the kid to come home. School's starting, and it's ridiculous. So when she talked to the officers, they thought that she was also just being a rebellious runaway, and maybe she, she and TJ had run off to Vegas with the other couple that left for Vegas. So TJ's mom didn't believe that he would just run away. She also files the mis- a missing persons report on the same day. So um, the friends of Casey and TJ all assumed that they had just gone away together somewhere, like on a vacation. They thought maybe they were on vacation with their parents or they had gone away to on a vacation together before school was starting. So none of them had heard a peep of them for three weeks either, like wow. nothing. So, um, not even the friends. Wow. No, which is kind of, you know, you get it if she's being rebellious against the mom, but to be, I mean, you wouldn't, you would actually probably at that point be bragging to your friends. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, at that point, officers were thinking about filing charges against TJ for taking Casey out of state because they thought maybe they had run off to Vegas. Right. And they said, we could file charges because he's 19. She's a minor. Right. And if he has taken her out of the state without permission of her parents, then we could file charges against him. But there was no proof that they had actually left the state. Right. Yeah, I mean, how do you file charges if you don't know? So they finally tracked down Robbie and Belinda in Vegas. And Robbie and Belinda said, TJ nor Casey had gone with them to Vegas. They had not seen them at the farewell party, which they were really hurt about that because um, she said, well, Belinda, they're talking to Belinda, the older the older of the all of them, the girl. And she said, as a matter of fact, the day before um, Belinda and Robbie were leaving town, um, Belinda was working the night shift at a local nursing home. So that day before her shift, the four of them all hung out together. And she said they all drove her to work, dropped her off, and they were supposed to come pick her up the next morning. And then it was going to be the, the party that night. Right. And then um, 
they were going to be leaving for Vegas. And she said no one ever showed to pick her up from work. She was cussed. Oh, okay. So she said she waited an hour for them to come pick her up. She called her mom several times. Back then there were no cell phones. She left messages on her and mom's answer machine. And she was like, I finally just started walking. She was like, I was so irritated and I was exhausted because I had worked a shift sure, over yeah. shift. So, oh gosh, I'd be mad to. That's a way. Every step. Would be, down yeah. that road. <laughs> so, along the way, her mom finally picks her up. Mm-hmm. And so, as they're headed home, they come up on Robbie walking down a very rural road alone. So, they stopped and picked him up. And they're like, Why, what are you doing? Why are you walking out here alone? And he said, Robbie of Belinda and Robbie? Yeah. And he said, well, TJ and I had had an argument. TJ and Robbie. Robbie had had an argument, and TJ had kicked him out of the car and told him he could walk home. Oh, dear. He said, so I'm walking home. And she was like, okay, that's weird. So that night was the going away party, and Casey and TJ were a no-show. So Belinda said, I was actually hurt at the immaturity of them not showing up because just over a little spat with Robbie. And she was like, I was hurt because I felt really close to them. And and they had be, I mean, we were doing everything together as couples. So I was just like, why wouldn't they just at least come say goodbye to me, even if they're pissed at Robbie? Right. You know, she was like, I'm moving to Vegas. Like, I'm moving my life. And she was like, I just, I couldn't believe that they would do something like that. So, um, okay. So she goes to Vegas and she was like, after the party, we hit Vegas. We moved. I started my new life with Robin. So um, after she had been in Vegas for about a week to 10 days, Belinda's mom had called her and said, you know, TJ and Casey seem to be missing. And she's like, that is so crazy. So she thought well, they must have run off together somewhere. I have no idea, but they are not with us. Right. So on September 26th, which is seven weeks, they've been missing now. Police officers go back to where Belinda and Robbie had stayed before they left town it was known as a big party hangout for the kids and it's where they had i think they were renting like a trailer out here at this property okay and they wanted to go and just see like are there any traces that tj and casey stayed there and belinda and robbie aren't being honest maybe there's signs that they had actually been at the party or maybe tj and casey waited until belinda and robbie vacated that trailer and moved in yeah so the trailer was empty there was nothing out of place, and um, at that point, they felt like the kids had just eloped. So, rumors started in town about Casey being pregnant. Sorry, I have a dry throat. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> uh-huh. Excuse me. So, um, rumors started floating around about Casey being pregnant, and <coughs> I knew that was coming. Sorry. And she had been scared to tell her mom about it. So, um, TJ's mom felt like that TJ would have told her if, if Casey was pregnant. She said, TJ and I were very close. He was 19. Right. And I was pretty much letting him live almost as an adult. I mean, he was in my house, but he had very few restrictions. And we talked all the time about whatever. And she said, I feel like if Casey had been pregnant, he would have come and told me to see if I would help him. Sure. And she said, so I don't believe any of those rumors. But um, 
neither mom ever imagined that their kids would go seven weeks without contacting them at no, all. Like, no matter sense. what circumstance you could right. think of by now, eloped, yeah, they would pregnant. have at least called and said, sure. we've eloped, she's pregnant, we're here, we're good, don't worry about us. And you don't or leave, send money. Like, I you don't, don't know. Leave, go off on another life and not be in touch with anybody. Like, especially your mom. Over a pair of shoes. No. Like that? No. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, I think at the, in the beginning, her mom was just trying sure. to rationalize what was happening. And right. she, you know, she's trying to live her life. And, you know, your life doesn't just come to a screeching halt. You, she still has to go work her eight hours at her job. Yeah. She's still, you know, she's still married. She's still trying to function and trying to rationalize. Where's my kid? Sure. And why is she doing this? Right. So, um, Belinda said that she and Robbie actually knew that Casey was preggers. She was like, we were there when she took the pregnancy test and she was pregnant. Really? That's what Belinda says. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess that kind of put people on their heels a little bit. Like, was she really pregnant or was she just thinking she was pregnant or whatever? So eventually, um, you know, TJ's mom is trying to, like, rationalize things and go through her mind. Like, I'm sure every single day at that point, you play over and over the last 24 or 48 hours that you knew your kid was around. Yeah. And then you're just playing it in your head constantly. Over and over, right. Trying to figure out what did I miss. Yeah. So she was talking to the police, and they said, we understand that TJ has a sword collection. And she was like, yes, he's always been into these samurai swords. And he collects them, and they're on these beautiful, like, stand things that he hangs on the wall. And it's a gorgeous collection, and he's very prideful of it. And she said, but I will tell you that when he went missing, I didn't know what was happening. So I took all of his swords and put them in my closet. Oh. And they were like, okay, so were any of them missing? And at first she was like, I don't think so. Well, she goes home that afternoon. She starts going through the swords because she's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess i got to figure out how many he had and everything. And she's like, wait, there is one missing. She's like, there is a very short sword that he really loved that's missing. So she informs the police. So now TJ is looking a little bit more like a suspect on the run than anything else. Why would he take a sword to run away with a pregnant girl? Like, but leave his car. Well, I mean, none of it ma- makes sense. From what? I don't know. They're getting suspicious of TJ, though. Like, That's what is so he weird. doing? Did he kidnap her? Oh. You know, like they're trying to figure this out. They just don't know. So, in November of two thousand, be my thought. My thought would be he took the sword because they were going on the run, and he felt like he needed something for protection. Protection from who? Why wouldn't you take your car for being on the run? But why wouldn't you take your car? Because the car is traceable. So if you're going to go be homeless or whatever, take a sword to keep you safe at night. That I would guess. be my thought process, but I would never. Well, his mom thought. didn't find him suspicious, but the cops are like, maybe there's something about this TJ guy that we are missing. Right. I mean, they got to look under every rock. I guess. They really do. So anyway, in November of 2000, they've now been missing for three months. Still no contact, no trace. Not one person has heard a peep out of them. And they're like, this really is not adding up at all. So the police actually asked the county newspaper to run an article on the missing couple to see if it would stir up leads maybe from, you know, other towns within the county or just somebody in the town that goes, you know, they're running this thing and I know something. Right. Not 
Not one credible, they had lots of responses. Not one thing was credible that came through. Oh, Nothing. And it's like these two kids had disappeared yeah. into thin air. And they're just like, this is just an enigma. We cannot figure this out. So they start looking further into TJ now. They're like, okay, we have to consider all options. So they start looking into TJ and his friends start describing him as very goth. He liked to put hexes and spells on people. Oh, my. He liked to play this role-play game where he would put on a screen mask and run around with a sword, one of his samurai swords, and everybody would go hide. And then if he found you, he would chase you down and pretend to murder you. Oh, my. Very dark. They were like, well, that's kind of weird. So um, the police decide, okay, there's something about this missing sword. Maybe if we find the sword, we'll find TJ. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but TJ's really, really close friends. He had a few, like, really close friends, like his bros. Right. And they described TJ as being goth and having a dark side for pretend. They said their real TJ, when you got to know him, was nothing like that. And he was a very compassionate, very caring friend. You could count on him for anything. And they said the last person that they would ever expect TJ to hurt would be Casey. Yeah, he was so protective of her. He was aware that she was the youngest girl, the youngest one in their crowd now. He was so protective. He loved her. And he was head over heels in love with her. And they said he would never harm her. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know them. And I, <laughs> I don't know anything about their story. But I'm not getting a bad vibe from this TJ. I'm just not. Me neither. So Casey's mom actually made up some missing persons flyers with both kids' pictures on it. She took a huge stack to the sheriff's office and asked um, if they could put one in every box mailbox of the police officers and hand them out at roll calls. Because if the police officers had them in their car, maybe if they saw them, they they would recognize them. And so TJ's mom took a stack and said, I'll start putting these up at local gas stations. Yeah. Because if you've got somebody coming through town that sees it, they may say, oh, my gosh, I saw those two kids the next town over. Right. So um, it was just weird, though, because she said at one particular gas station, she would put one up. The next day when she would go by the gas station, it had either been defaced or torn down completely. And she said they would put horns draw horns and mustaches on the kids. They would write, like, nasty names beside them. And she was like, it really was so hurtful and cruel that I'm looking for my lost son. That's terrible. defacing it or just ripping it down altogether and throwing it, like, literally not even in the trash can. It would just be in the parking lot. Wow. So she said, I finally stopped because she's like, it was just so hurtful. And I'm just like, who does that? Somebody really, really mean. Somebody that has no empathy. That's just cruel. I just think that's not just hurtful to the two kids that are missing. That's so hurtful to their families that are just aching for any sign of their children. So, anyway, she, um, at some point, a carnival comes into town. And Casey's mom is like, Casey loves the carnival. She loves the carnival. There's certain rides that she would ride every year. And this poor woman would go and work her full-time job. And then she would go and stand at that carnival until it closed every night, waiting to get a glimpse of her daughter, knowing that Casey cannot resist these carnival rides. And she said, I, people must have thought I was crazy because I was just 
looking into everybody's face thinking maybe she changed the color of her hair. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's right in front of me and I don't know. And I would just wander around until it closed. And then the next night she'd be right there. And on the weekends, she'd go from from the time it opened until the time it closed every single day. Oh no gosh. sign of her. And that gives me chills because I can feel that ache. Yeah. I feel that ache in that mom's heart thinking, I just need to see my daughter. I don't I don't even care what she has done, why she has done it. I just need to see her, lay eyes on her. Right. So I just, I mean, I really feel her pain. So um, like I said, she sees nothing. And eventually the, the carnival closes up and moves out of town. So in January of 2001, the kids have been missing now for six months. Wow. And police think they have a lead. An inmate says, I, I know what happened to them. They're dead, and I know what happened to them. Oh, no. So the, the investigators of the case go get the inmate out, bring him to the sheriff's office, and sit him down and said, okay, what do you know? Well, it turns out he knew nothing. Of course. He was just trying to get his charges reduced, so he was just guessing and he, he just wanted to talk about his case. He completely wasted their time. That's so... Wasted their time. And I think he should have time added. I do, too. I completely agree. I time. think there should be punishment for yeah. that. So, um, Casey's mom, at one point, was riding in a rural part of town and could have sworn she saw Casey out in front of this trailer. Mm-hmm. And she said, I didn't stop because I didn't want to scare her. But she went right to the police station and said, this is what she looked like. She's obviously dyed her hair. It's very long. It's shoulder length. She had on glasses, but I know this was my daughter. The police go, it's not. I mean, can you just imagine? It just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart, this poor woman. So August of 2002, they've been missing for two years. And Belinda, remember her? I do. She reaches out to the police and says, I'd like to talk to you. After two years, oh God. she wants to talk about Robbie. So she said when they were in Vegas, she felt like he knew something and wasn't saying anything. And she said, I even a couple of times asked him, point, like, what did you do to those kids? What? And he wouldn't answer. He wouldn't give her any answer. Because he's the last one that saw TJ. He was the last one that saw both of them. They were all hanging out before Belinda went to work. That's the last time anybody oh, right, right. saw them. Even but though he had gotten into an argument with TJ. Yes. So she said when they were living together, she had caught him in a string of lies and finally gave him the heave-ho. She's like, he's out. He's out of my life, and I think he left Vegas. So she actually had found out that Robbie had lied to her about his discharge from the Army. He had been in the Army, and he said he had been honorably discharged. But one day, Belinda found the paperwork stating that it was due to him being a danger to himself and others. Oh, no. Not so honorable. So, and my question here is, when that happens, there has to be somebody keeping up with that person to make sure you know where they go settle, you you get them help. You don't just say discharge, pack your bags, and go. And we've had this case before where... Another person had done some murdering, and, and it was the same scenario, but who? Who monitors that? Like Nobody who, does. I know, but who would you? Would you have them register like a sex offender? I would, have them, I would have them register with the Army and, and, and make them update their address and verify the addresses right and then 
send a note to the police department that says this person was dishonorably discharged because we find that he is a danger to himself and the others around him. If you're, if it's that bad to be discharged from the army, then I think that he should be ordered to get some mental health counseling before he's even discharged. I agree. Like something has to happen. This is where we've got that break in the mental health system. Yeah, and it's just such a fine line because you can't. People fall through the cracks. You cannot infringe on people's right to privacy, but there has to be some sort of protection in place for society. I agree, and I think at some point you have to protect, protect, protect (laughs) (laughs) the majority. Yeah, even at the sacrifice of the one single person. I mean, it's sad. Laws in place to protect. Your privacy. privacy. So, but when you're still in the military, the military pretty much owns you. Pretty much. So they can order you to counseling, right? And then discharge you after counseling. But I don't think with HIPAA laws that they can, they can tell you. I mean, it's of. I don't know if it's public record as to why why you get discharged from the military, but. Once you're discharged, they don't have the right to disclose no. anything. That's why I think you. there needs to be counseling before because a counselor has had interactions with, right. say, at least five sessions with this individual and would be able to tell you if they truly are a danger to themselves or not. Right. And at that point, if they are a danger, then by law, they have to report it. Right. That's where I think we need to close that loop a little Maybe, bit. Maybe, yeah. And, you know, hey, people look into that. Yeah. Can somebody look into that, please? Somebody <laughs> with military background and all that kind of jazz, mental health background, just all the backgrounds. Look for it. <laughs> so anyway, the police go and they track down Robbie and he's actually living in Louisiana. Oh. So he agrees to go back to Texas and to talk about to talk to investigators. So when they talked to him, Robbie said he had always been worried about those two. Oh, and he had often wondered what happened to him. But he had not seen them for some time before he left for Vegas. <gasps> Liar. So they said, well, this is a little bit of a contradiction of what Belinda said. And he was like, yeah, she's lying. Because she's still got sour grapes about my breakup with her. Yeah. Right. So now who do you believe? Not, not him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because why would she lie? Exactly. I guess to get back at him? I don't know. But anyway... Robbie even offers to help with the investigation. So they were like, great, could you come in tomorrow for a lie detector test? And they said, absolutely. He no-showed. Of course, of course. Didn't take the polygraph. So, in December of 2005, we are five years missing. Some surveyors in the county 15 miles outside of Granbury come across human bones in the woods. Oh, no. They call the sheriff's department to report it, and the police go up there, and there's surely there is a human skull laying right on top of the ground in the woods. Wow. There's some scattered bones around, a pair of blue jeans, and a partial driver's license. That driver's license belonged to T.J. Steele. Oh, T.J. Yeah. So investigators... So the police officers call the detectives working on the case, okay? And the detective said, go back up there. There's going to be a second body because if TJ's up there, Casey is somewhere. Right. 
So they go up there and they do a grid search, but it's very heavily wooded. So eventually they just start randomly walking around because you can't even do a grid search. It's so densely wooded. Right. Great place for a bear sighting. Yes. You've been wanting to see a bear lately. Yes. So anyway, so they go back up there and an officer goes around the bend and sure enough, there's another skull. Right. And this one has a very distinct nick on the back of it, indicative of a very sharp weapon. Right. So there was also a necklace of Casey's next to there, and there was a sword. A sword? (laughs) There was a sword with the handle broken off of it. Right. They sent it all out for analysis, and they notified the parents, which was horrible. Yeah. Their world just completely crashed. These people are thinking, my kid has eloped. They probably have a baby or two by now. They don't love me, but at least they're safe and they're out there together. And now they're dead. Right. So um, the investigation, of course, gets reopened and they start re-interviewing all the people that were originally interviewed in the beginning. So Belinda actually shows up for her polygraph. (laughs) Yeah. She tells investigators that she always knew, she always thought that Robbie knew more. And so they show Belinda the evidence that they found, including the sword. And she said, I got chills all over my body. And she said that sword belonged to TJ. Oh. But Robbie loved it so much that TJ had given it to Robbie. Oh, no. She said, and as a matter of fact, the night that they took us all, took me to work, it was in the car with us. I remember seeing it in the car. Oh, no. So it was in Robbie's possession. And she said, Robbie had it in the car because I thought, why do you have the sword in your car? Right. It's just weird. So in October of 2006, Robert, Robbie Buttry is his name. He was finally arrested and charged with double homicide. But unfortunately, there was no DNA. There was no fingerprints. It was all circumstantial evidence. Damn it. So the DA off, DA off, the DA's office goes to the parents right. and said, we have to make a plea deal. If you want him to see any jail time, it's going to have to be a plea deal because this is not enough to prove he's guilty in a trial. We right. have nothing except right. circumstances. Right. And so they talked about it and they said, okay, we agree if he will just plead guilty to the two murders and do some jail time. So this is what he got. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Let it out. Okay, I'm good. Okay, I'm talking about myself. Oh, I mean, we were still podcasting, right? Yes. Okay. So he got two five-year terms to run concurrent. My golly. Which means they run at the same effing time. So it's basically five years. But when he gets credited for time served while awaiting trial, he is released after two years. Wow. In 2011. What the flipping hell. What the flipping hell? What the flipping hell? Two years. Two freaking years. Two years. And he never has to say why he did it because there's never a trial to prove motive. So that's that. So police feel like. And now he's just been released back into society. Yes. 
So police actually feel that Casey and TJ were just very trusting opportunities for him, right. that eventually he was going to kill somebody. They, it was just a matter of when and, and the timing was right. And he felt like this was the timing. It was right. It was just the three of them. He probably lured them up into this wooded area to go hiking or whatever. And he, he probably killed TJ first. And you probably, because there were no, there was not, there were no bones. I mean, they didn't find a lot of bones, but there was nothing that showed any strike marks. They think it was he stabbed him probably and he bled out right. right there. And then he probably chased Casey, which is why she was up and around a bend, right. caught up with her and then hit her in the back of the head and killed her with right. that sword. Yeah. And that's probably what happened. And then went on about his life night and just dropped the sword where it was and walked away. And that's why he was walking down that rural road that day. Right. Because he had taken TJ's car and and dropped it down that road in a ditch, and then started walking home. Wow. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. That's crazy. So I just want to let you know that 17 years to the day he killed them, he was killed in a head-on car collision. Oh, that's just too bad. That is called karma doesn't forget. Yes. <laughs> so hopefully he took the express lane to hell yeah. after his car collision. And that's where he's been ever since yes. because that story is so frustrating. It is very frustrating. So frustrating. And I just, these parents just, I just can't imagine the pain of all of that. And then you finally get the closure and then the guy is out in two freaking years. Right. Like what? Crazy. And how they didn't go after him and hunt him down and take care of them themselves is beyond me. Right. Because I don't think I would have been able to live on the same planet, share the same earth and same air as the man that killed my innocent kid right. and got two freaking years Exactly. For exactly. So, oh, that's my murder. Oh. Frustrating. Oh. That's a frustrating yeah. one. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. So, but, I mean, yours was great. So, there's that. No, I don't, I don't think so. But what did you tell me the murder? It wasn't, he was called the candy man. They, the press called him the candy man, but, it, but the murder um, was called the... Pixie Sticks murder. Oh, I bet you the Pixie Sticks company didn't want that to. Yeah, be some out. people call it the man who stole Halloween or something. <gasps> I don't know. It's almost like the Grinch that stole Christmas. I know. Except it's the Ronald McDonald that stole Halloween. Yeah. Except his name was O'Brien. It was O'Brien, and he didn't steal Halloween. He stole the life of his child. That's just diabolical. It is diabolical. Gosh. Okay. Well, guys. Happy freaking Halloween already. I mean, good grief. Well. It makes me want to stay away from almonds, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, don't eat a lot of them. You'll yeah. end up with cyanide poisoning. Oh, probably. Uh, we crazy. don't like that. We love an almond pound cake. I know. Maybe not. And I like an almond joy, and I love a Hershey chocolate bar of almonds. Wait, you like an almond joy? I do, because I like the coconut. That's gross. That's because you're allergic to the coconut. I don't know. Coconut always just, it's just gross. It gets up in your mouth. Yeah. It gets all up in your mouth. That's but disgusting. I don't mind it. I like it. I like the almond joint. Don't like a mounds. Huh. Because without the crunch of the almond, I can't take the coconut. Yeah, because almond joint's got nuts. Mm -hmm. Mounds don't. don't. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, I just always feel like a nut. Yeah. It's because you are a nut. <laughs> oh, super good. Well, the nice part is we've already reviewed... Our social media thing. We did. We already did our spiel. We did. We did we our spiel. We spieled. We spieled. And we'll do it just one more time real quick. Instagram. 
At Sugar Coated Murder. At Sugar Coated Murder. Email. Murder.SugarCoated. At gmail.com. Facebook. Sugar Coated Murder Podcast or. Fan page. No. Or. Sugar Coated Murder Fan Page. Sugar Coated Murder Podcast Fan Page. One is the business one. Who cares about the business one? I do. We get a, That's how people find us to begin with, you ninny nuggins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ninny muggins. What's it called? Oh, it's a ninny muggins. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've moved on to Christmas already. Yay. I'm ready to start decorating right Anywho, now. Anywho. So, um... Real tree, we've got a link. Find it. If you don't say that right, I'm gonna knock What's your head off. Link tree <laughs> because it's a tree of links. <laughs> Dial into it. Jeez, I'm trying so hard. I don't understand. I don't understand either. Buy us a cup of damn tea. Yeah, buy us a spot of tea. Buy us a spot of tea, or just find all of our merch stuff in there. Hey, anybody that's got a dog. Oh my God! We I now just have ordered. Did you? A, a nice. Yeah. What color did you get? Gray. Okay, so I'm getting ready to order one too. Yeah. Um, it they are the cutest little canine hoodies, and um, it actually has a hood, so it's adorable. But on the back of it, it says "Sugar Coated Murder Barking Team." That is freaking. Oh, it's so fun! So get your canines a sweater, and it's all different colors, like. Purple, pink, red, gray, black, white, blah, 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 orange, I don't know. All the colors. Yeah, and if you find our link. In Linktree. In Linktree, because it's a tree of links. Yes. If you go to the first, so there are like three different merchant. But our The very first one is where the most merchandise is. That's Teespring. Yes, that's the Teespring one. And that's where the dog hoodies are. Yeah. So, and if you don't have, if you can't find the link tree or if you can't find the link to Teespring to find us, email us oh my God. and ask us for it and we will give it to you personally. You know what else you can do in Facebook once you're on our fan page? You can message us in Facebook. Yes. Or if you're on the Instagram, just send me a private message on Instagram. It's yeah. DM. Just slide into my DM. There you go. It's very spicy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of spicy, this is loaf smells divine oh my gosh so we're gonna pause real quick so we can get it out the oven and get it sliced up so we can edit eat it (laughs) we're not gonna edit we're gonna gonna eat eat it it. i'm gonna edit this podcast yeah it's gonna need some editing (laughs) all right so please pause okay bye no no no, just hold on okay we're back this thing is steamy the butter (laughs) melted instantly yeah it's almost crumbly because my fingers are burning because so i've got a fork that i'm gonna use but (laughs) um it's it smells so good guys it's just it smells like fall it It just oh i love it i'm so thankful that we do these in my kitchen because the smell that lingers is just yes oh my gosh it's wonderful so and i just want to tell you that your dog has been such a gem today. Yes, because he took a 
a calm pill. I love that we finally found the calm pill yeah. and that you believe in them now yes. and that you're not scared of them no. and that you're willing to pop one to your dog. Yes, it makes everybody happy, including, including him. Including him. He is he's just, so just, I mean, he's not even shaking. He's just no, chilling, he chilling is. like a villain up he in is. his blanket in his chair. He's being a dog. He's being a doll baby. Yes. All right, guys, I'm going to eat this. Me too. I got to blow on it. Blow. Okay. Okay. And now. Yeah. Mm. Oh my god. Mm. Y'all are just not going to so good. Oh, I've got to have some water because it is. Mm -hmm. Try this recipe. It's a Weight Watcher. Don't recipe. eat it when it's this hot. You might get a blister. It is very hot, but it's good. Tomorrow morning, when we slice it, put a pat of butter on it and toast it in the oven Ooh, and boy. have it with our coffee, it is going to be. Because then it gets like the crispy oh, color. Just edge, a little. It's still nice and. Soft. Oh, it's so Delightful. good. Yes, but you know what? You can also serve it a little bit heated up with a little scoop of vanilla ice cream. Oh, Lord. Now you're talking. Now I'm talking. All yeah. right, guys. We love y'all. Stay sweet. Don't murder anybody. Because if you murder people. If you kill people. If you kill people, we will talk about you. Yes, but talking about bad stuff, it's fun. It's fun. Okay, guys. We love you. Stay sweet. And we'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.